one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and some translations say, well, some say money and some say mammon. We'll talk about that. This is our first message in our series on bringing our stuff to the table, possessions and the way of Jesus. And so we're going to do this for about six weeks. Today, our message is from stress to serenity, the discipline of simple living. But uh, in subsequent weeks, we'll, we'll go through uh, different, uh, different bad news to good news. So from stress to serenity, from greed to charity, from insecurity to the way of trust, from insatiable desire to the way of contentment, and from ownership to the way of stewardship. Our thought is to take this time after Pentecost. Pentecost is sort of the outpouring of the Spirit on the church and ordinary time, sort of an unfortunate name. It's anything but ordinary. It's, it's really a, about how we live out this resurrection life. And so we've decided to take these summer months to, to do a topical series on something that we feel is foundational or key or important for us in this context today. And so this isn't your typical series on money or generosity. There's going to be, there'll be no thermometers on the stage. We're not, we ha- we're not trying to buy any um, uh, driving range and building a church. Like we're, 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 there's, there's no building campaign on the back end of this. Um, so, so this isn't serving a utility because we need money. Rather, we think that the way that we relate to our money and possessions in the suburbs is a, f- is a crucial discipleship and mission issue. That, that, that the people of God actually have something to say to the world about what our stuff is for. And it's great news in an affluent culture. Amen? So that's why we're doing this together. Jesus talks more about money and possessions than he does uh, drugs and sex and poker combined. This is, a, this is a key thing for Jesus. Simply put, as 21st century Americans, <clears throat> we have a jacked up relationship with our stuff. And we want to put our stuff on the table. <clears throat> our, our church is called the table. Uh, we're, we're not talking about putting our stuff in the church. We're talking about putting our stuff on the Lord's table, on the altar, and, and bring it to God. Friends, today the good news is that wealth or mammon or our possessions or our money, it demands our worship. This is the, this is the bad news, actually. <laughs> I'm getting to the good news, but first the bad news. The, our, uh, mammon demands our worship, and it breeds worry and a scarcity mindset, leading to more and more complicated, stressful, and discontented lives. But today we proclaim the good news that God values each one of us highly and he knows what we need. And as we worship him, we are delivered from worry and scarcity and empowered to live simple lives of abundance. As we worship God, he delivers us from scarcity and worry and empowers us to live 
simple lives of abundance. So you'll, you may have noticed if you've been with us for any amount of time that our messages have a, a familiar rhythm to them. There's typically a story that we tell up front and it's not an icebreaker. It's not because we're killing time. Like Miss Deb needs more time with the kids and so I got to tell a story. It's because, friends, we really believe that the good news doesn't just want to titillate our minds, but it wants to get its hands in our guts. That we need to locate ourselves in our actual lives to receive the good news because that's where Jesus is always coming. God is so real, he most fully meets us where we really are. And so we want, we want, to, we want to create, we want to live together, not in abstractions and ideas, but in actualities and relationships. And so as I thought of a way to narrate this stress, uh, yesterday happened to me. <laughs> and I thought, my, I don't know if anybody else had Saturday yesterday, but uh, <clears throat> if you're like me, and I know I am, I had a Saturday yesterday. It started with, uh, our, it started with our air conditioning going out. It's convenient when that happens right at the beginning of summer, right? And so we had an, an air conditioning person come out, take a look at our air conditioner. He had been out two days before and said we had a dirty uh, filter, but then uh, we smelled burning rubber and metal, and there was no air coming out, and th this is more than just a dirty filter. So he comes out, and there's this concern that we'll have to replace our AC, and there's kind of this thing inside about we have this home warranty, so it would be covered, but we have to get, like, the AC guy to say, you need a new AC, and not just, like, nickel and dime us outside of the warranty. So he's showing up Saturday morning, and there's this worry, this concern of, like, if this goes our way, we'll save $6,000. If it doesn't, you know, Deacon won't eat for two years. You know, there's sort of this thing inside that's happening. At the same time, I had scheduled this roofer to come out and check our roof. It's 16 years old, and all of our neighbors are getting new roofs because of hail damage, and there's a little roof envy going on in the Tebby family. But also, there's this sense of, hey, if I can get a roof for $100 or $500 deductible, like, we should jump on that roof train and not let it pass. So the roofer's out, the AC guy's out. As this is happening, I, got my, I have a little moment of like sitting and reading, and the doorbell rings, and Deacon says, Dad, it's for you. And immediately I think, I'm not expecting anybody. And I look at Deacon, and he's giving me no further information about who it is. And I just know, I just know it's somebody trying to sell me something. So I walk to the door, and this guy's got, it's a bug guy. What, what is with the bug people this, this right now in Fishers? But this bug guy... He, he has this talk, and I, there, okay, so I have a lot of things that bother me. Those of you who know me well know this. But one of the things that particularly bothers me is being in the midst of somebody's spiel and not being able to get out of it in a way that preserves, in a way that I don't lose my salvation. <laughs> I'm just kind of a joke. But like in a way that I don't have to be a complete and utter jerk to somebody. So this guy's selling bug things, and I, I'm, I'm listening to him try to sell me uh, bug grub control for my yard, and I'm thinking, I don't have the time for you. I don't have the money for this. Uh, we go to Costco later that day, and I'm walking down the aisle in Costco, and I'm looking at this tent, because we're talking about t for, uh, camping as a family, and I turn around, and this guy just gets me right like I have no defenses and I 
And 20 minutes later, like Sharon's watching me. She's like watching me from afar. This guy's trying to sell me this wax on a car and he's rubbing keys and he's wiping off paint on a hood and he's telling me, hey, you know, uh, uh, they're only letting us sell four boxes of these because they want them to last till tomorrow. So how many can I get you in for? And I, like 20 minutes of this, and I'm thinking, this is the second time today I've been locked into a sales pitch. Somebody's trying to get my money and sell me something I don't think I need. And it stresses me out. Stresses me out. We were at Costco because we dropped our son off at Excite for a birthday party. So it's two hours of laser tag, uh, unlimited sugar, and video games. And then he hits the car, and he's this this zombie. Like, he's unable to experience joy without it screaming at him with like 3,000 decibels, right? While he's there, not only am I getting peddled stuff at Costco, but we're at Costco and Trader Joe's spending close to $200 on things like quinoa chips and artisan coffees. Last night, we had a birthday for a neighbor of ours who is a uh, beautiful couple, but they decided to go to Lavino's, and Lavino's is uh, known for charging you way too much money for way too little food. And so we... We dropped, it was delicious, it was really good, but we dropped $97 on dinner last night, which is just about our entire date budget for the summer. That was, we did get a free babysitter, right? So, yeah, that was good. My entire day yesterday, friends, I don't know if you can relate to this, my entire day yesterday, I was confronted with, worried about, measuring out, my possessions, my stuff, my money. It was my day of rest, by the way. Yesterday was my day off. It was all about my stuff and, and keeping my stuff away from other people or taking my stuff to get more stuff. Right? I don't think my Saturday is all that different from your Saturday or your Tuesday or your Friday or even your Sunday. We live in a world where having a lot of things and having to get more things creates a lot of stress and worry and discontentment. And it all comes back, Jesus says, to this, to our relationship or attachment to this word wealth or mammon or money. Jesus tells us that wealth demands our worship and breeds worry and scarcity, leading leading to more and more complicated lives that are stressed and discontented. But today we proclaim the good news, that God values each of us highly, and he knows what we need. And as we worship him, we are delivered from worry and scarcity and empowered to live simple lives of abundance. So let's look at Matthew 6 today. I love this, this, this uh, ex- exhortation from Jesus. I say to you, don't worry. <laughs> right? There's a lot of, like, a lack of imagination for how do we live lives that are contented without worry. There's a lack of imagination. And some unhelpful ways to do this is for me to stand up here and just tell you to stop worrying. Or for you to tell yourself, 
Stop worrying. Unhelpful ways of doing this are to say, the way to solve your worry is to get rid of all your stuff. So stop having stuff and stop worrying. Let us pray. Right? Let's take up an offering. <laughs> we conveniently have a basket for you to put all your stuff into. No, no, no. Notice what Jesus says here, friends. Jesus doesn't just give us a command that's impossible to obey. He actually tells us how to begin to take our attachments from our stuff. This is what it means to serve mammon, attached to our wealth, our desires caught up in it. And he shows us how to attach ourselves to God, to serve God. Notice, notice the first thing he says is that God's provision, evidence of his provision is all around us. Right? Verse 25. Or verse, 20, or verse 26. Look at the birds in the sky. Verse 28. Look at the lilies in the field. In verse 30, he talks about the grass of the field, which is sort of a, a way to say all the plants that grow. Friends, the way, the way that we repent of being attached to mammon or wealth and serving that and having that consume our desire and breed worry and scarcity is that we simply notice what God is doing in creation. We discipline our attention off of, I don't have enough money for my air conditioner, or you're not going to get a cent out of me to kill bugs in my lawn that I don't even think I have, to how long do I have to listen to you wipe this stuff off this car hood before I can be rude to you and tell you I have to go. He gets us out of these zero-sum, possession, worried, discontented games and brings us into a place of just noticing. Notice the lavish, abundant provision of God. Notice. Look around. Look around and see how he provides. The second thing he says is he says, all these things that God provides for, flowers, birds, grass, he provides lavishly and abundantly for them. And how much more valuable are you than a bird? So the second thing he says is notice your value to God as a part of this creation. Verse 30, won't God do much more for you? Verse 32, your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows you need them. So Jesus says, notice God's abundance in inconsequential, less valuable things and then reckon with the fact that you are valuable to God. That your value is not assigned by what you have or what you don't have, but by whose you are. By whose you are. And so then Jesus says in verses 33, instead desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus gets to the heart of where worry and scarcity come from. It's our desire. And he says, seek first or desire first 
these two things, kingdom and righteousness. Now, these two things overlap, but this is uh, shorthand for desire righteousness, which we could talk about as right covenantal relationship with God. So seek first God's relationship with you and seek first your representation with him in his kingdom. So seek first, friends, being connected to God and representing God in the world. Desire this, Jesus says. So the freedom from attachments, friends, doesn't come from telling ourselves, stop worrying and stop wanting so much stuff. We don't overcome attachment to mammon by attacking that. We overcome attachment to mammon by reattaching ourselves to God, being connected to God in right relationship and seeking the things that he desires. So freedom from attachments comes through trust. So the journey from then stress to serenity, serenity meaning peace, calm, contentedness. There's this old Seinfeld episode where uh, George Constanza's dad starts seeing a psychologist, which is probably a good idea. Every, every character on that show should probably have seen a psychologist, uh, at, least, at least one. Um, and he's got this way of handling stress. It's the episode called Serenity Now, where <laughs> something, something difficult happens to him, and I forget, uh, forget George Cassandra's dad's name, Frank, Frank Cassandra. He just starts screaming, Serenity Now! Serenity Now! He just screams at the air. And, and the show is about how Kramer thinks this is a great idea, right? And uh, so Kramer starts going, Serenity Now, Serenity Now. And there's a scene where uh, he's trying to open this jar of pickles and he can't, he can't open the jar of pickles. And he you know, does this Kramer thing where he's like getting frustrated and like shaking and his hair is shaking, you know. And then he puts it down. And he's like, Serenity Now. And he like walks out, right? So the whole show is about how this doesn't work. The whole show is about Kramer sitting in the hallway and these kids have TP'd his entire uh, um, apartment and he's like, he's like freaking out. He's not even talking to Jerry. He's just like lost in his head. This, is, uh, this show reveals the way kind of the world typically tries to handle stress, which is I'm going to beat stress up with this sort of mental violence. I'm going to force myself to not be stressful. Jesus today shows us a different way, the way of not, not wrangling with stress, but surrendering it, laying down our worship, worshiping God. And then we're delivered from worry and scarcity and empowered to live simple lives of abundance. So friends, today, where are you stressed out? Where are you in touch with worry about provision? Where are you consumed with desire for possessions? Where do you need to reckon with your value and your call in God's kingdom? So for me, one of the things I'm noticing in my life is that my use of social media stresses me out. Probably has a lot to do with who I'm following and the kinds of things I'm reading. But I, here's what I notice. I'm noticing, I'm paying attention 
that uh, ha about half the time when I go to Twitter, it's to kind of figure out, like it's my news feed, but half the time I go to Twitter, I'm feeling a bit anxious and stressed, and I sort of go there to indulge it. I go there to read things that stress me out more. This is like, this is so, uh, it's almost like stress pornography. You know, it's like, I'm stressed out. What else can I get stressed out about? Oh, right? So I'm noticing this about myself, and I'm noticing that I, I end up having this, I'm, I'm like, you know those big billows that you use to fan flames? It's like, Twitter for me is like billowing this worry, this stress inside. So I'm noticing this. I'm noticing too that uh, for my wife and I, that, that our attachment to our devices, this is something we've talked about. I'm not throwing my wife under the bus. So we've, we've talked about this. I'm noticing that for Sharon. <laughs> uh, I'm noticing that for my wife and I, uh, that our attachment to our technology, that it um, hinders our ability to perceive God's abundance and beauty around us. So our technology, we almost live in a world where technology is necessary, but it does unhelpful work for my worship. So I'm noticing that as well. Some of you know this already, but one of the, um, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago. This is one other way that God is calling me to respond. Um, remind me to give you these receipts, Sharon. I've got several of them. Um, speaking of wealth and possessions, uh, one of the things that, uh, so I have this little, little small wallet, and I, I never get money out of an ATM. I, I can't remember the last time I had to do that. I'm not even sure I know where our bank ATMs are or my PIN number at this point. So I don't carry cash. And that's kind of a discipline for me not to spend money. So I don't carry cash. But, but, on my birthday every year, I get cash. And it's like a really super special thing for me. <laughs> and I put it in my wallet. And I carry it all year without spending it. So I've got $40 from my birthday that was a couple weeks ago. And I'm not kidding you guys. This will be in my wallet next May as well. There's something about having $40 on me at all times that just makes me feel so, so good. <laughs> so powerful. <laughs> Important attractive. No, no, it just makes me, I just feel like, I feel like, you know, I'm joking about power, but as I think about it, it's like, I've got this wealth always with me that I can use at my discretion. I just never will, but I, I could use it anytime I want. I have $40 outside of, here's what it is. I have $40 outside of our monthly budget that no one can tell me what to do with. That's power. Keep your hands off my money. But friends, uh, it causes me stress. Several times a month, 
I'll get into my wallet to get a business card out or to pull out a credit card, and I won't see my cash, and I'll kind of, I'll kind of have this little freak-out moment. Did it fall out? Because I have one of these wallets that things can fall out easily. Did it fall out? Did, I, did somebody take it? So these are just little, little things, right? Where for you, friends, are you in touch with, with stress? About possessions? About having enough? About not having enough? I was having a conversation with some friends last weekend about what God's favor means. What does it mean to have God's favor? And our good news today is that God's favor isn't you can have $40 in your wallet this week and 80 next week. God's favor is you can be attached to me so you can have $2 or $200 in your wallet. And it'll mean the same thing to you. That's God's favor, friends. So here's what I'd like us to do to respond to this today. Um, the Sermon on the Mount for us is sort of our... Um, it's like the heart of our church. And so it's Jesus's manifesto about how he interprets the law and the story of Israel and everything. And it's, it's central to Jesus's program. So it's, you can't understand Jesus with the Sermon on the Mount. Everything kind of flows out of that. One of the cool things about it is that this part of the Sermon on the Mount comes right after he teaches the Lord's Prayer. And if you notice, notice this, and this is how we're going to respond today. It's going to be a little different than how we normally respond. What he says in his teaching about wealth follows the first three moves of the Lord's Prayer. So you have a Father in heaven who's holy. We pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we submit ourselves to him to provide for our daily needs. Jesus is unpacking the Lord's Prayer here in the Sermon on the Mount. So I thought maybe we could do that together. Um, so, so what I want to do is I want to I just lead us in prayer. I'll leave, I'll leave uh, moments of silence for you to submit either verbally or in silence the things that God's bringing to mind for you. But we're going to just pray expansively through these first three moves of the Lord's Prayer. So I'll be leading us a lot. There'll be times for you to chime in. I'll end each section with Lord in your mercy and we'll say here our prayer. Make sense? Let's just give it a shot. 